We don't need to do a cold open or anything fancy. We'll just uh, jump into it. You ready? It's the birth cast, the movie cast, the death cast, and still the podcast podcast. We were born and we watch movies till we die, probably alone. So waste your fleeting time with two guys blathering on the phone. Hey everybody, welcome back to the Birthcast, Moviecast, Deathcast, Padcast, Podcast. I still got it. Damn. My name is Evan, and with me as always, slash usual, is my good, pal, my good pal Phil. Hey man, what's happening? Hey. Well, uh, not a whole lot's happening with me, but... Uh, all kinds of great stuff is happening for you, and I feel like before we even get into some silly nonsense, let's get some serious stuff out of the way. Um, well, mm. actually, actually bef- I guess I should back up a little bit and say that this is the last episode of our podcast. Well, as far as we know. Well, I was listening to old episodes, and there was one where I said the podcast was going to go forever. So I am pretty good uh saying really dramatic things that don't come true <laughs> it's true and and then uh your goodbye article to me you did say it was dead and uh I, i've become a bit of a specialist in resurrecting dead things of late so who knows uh, hey keep that resurrection in mind when we talk about our movie later oh shit but uh it's a theme yeah it's gonna be because we <laughs> we're just desperate for things to come back to life anymore <laughs> It's all misery. Sure. But before we, I think we get to your business, I'm selfish and want to get to our business and just say it's um, been really wonderful doing this podcast with you for, did we run two or three years? It seems like. Oh, gosh. Um, I, I don't know. I think I think we talked about, man, it was probably before Creed came out that we, that I sort of got the handoff when it was you and me officially after that. It was the, the last episode of... Uh, let let me think. Sorry to pause so long. It's okay. It it was when we did Rocky Baboa. I think was the last one before you started. When wow. We were doing the whole the whole Rocky series, and I don't think Creed was. I think Creed was still a year away at that point. Interesting. So, yeah. God, twenty fourteen. That's funny, isn't it? It's crazy. <laughs> I know the last one we did was uh, not quite a year ago. So people that complain that it's been a year, you know, shut up. Get your Stop rounding up. This is, that's not accurate. That was, it was something like May 24th for the return, the resurrection of oh. Twin, Twin Peaks. Uh, that's the last one we did. But we want to thank everybody that listened. And I especially want to thank all the people that were on our case about it when we didn't record very much. <laughs> Yeah, it was nice to know that people cared, even even if we didn't at the time. Oh, we were telling them in our heads, "Go fuck yourself." You <laughs> no, I you don't speak for both of us there. <laughs> <laughs> I don't even speak for me. I was just looking at my cat and thinking evil thoughts. Oh, how's that cat doing? He's asleep right now. He's uh, he gets new personality traits every three months or so, and he's in a sweet cycle right That's now. That's good. He, his tongue is sticking out while he's asleep. It's pretty cute. Nice. So, okay, you know, I think that's the lip service on uh, the podcast, but now I'd like to give the floor to you and you can talk about why you're here and what's well, going on. 
first of all, let me respond to what you said and say that I, I do I do miss our regular chats. I do miss hanging out with the BMD gang and 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 knocking around Slack and throwing ideas around. It's um it's been a big shift for me. Uh, it's been exciting and and there's been uh you know occasions where I get to see folks again. I'm gonna see. I'm going to see some BMD folks this weekend at Texas Frightmare in Dallas. Right. Um, I'm just there as a fan, though. I'm not, like, doing anything special. Um, gosh. So, yeah, I left to go make Fangoria, and today subscriptions are open. And uh, people have been super psyched about it. Pe- the, the support has been – I've called it terrifying at times because uh, I had no idea people were so amped for it to come back. Um I mean, I knew people would be excited, but the volume has been sort of daunting, and uh, it's made me, you know, recognize that we really have to get it right, and we have to take it seriously, and we have to kind of kill it. So, that's the that's the job, and um, I've been putting putting uh, a table setting together of different writers and different artists and uh, different kinds of coverage, you know, just sort of figuring out what the magazine should be in 2018 as opposed to what it was when I was reading it. And, and when people after me were reading it, you know, it's, it's, it means something different to different generations. And I've tried to sort of respect the spirit of all those different eras at the same time, make it a thing that it has never been before. So it was a lot, it's a lot going on. Are you afraid of success, Phil? Yeah, sure. But yeah, I'm, I'm more afraid of, um, not success. So, you know, that makes it pretty simple, doesn't it? <laughs> yeah, it's just a math equation. Um, actually, no. I mean, I, I don't want to be braggy. I think I think we're putting together a pretty awesome first issue, and I'm really excited about it. And uh, I just hope people are, are picking up what we're putting down because you know, as I said, Fango was different things over different years, and so certain certain uh, elements are going to get left behind because it's a quarterly now. It's not a. It's not every. It's not ten times a year, so it's not going to have all the same stuff that it had back then when it was like on the newsstands every every uh, other month or whatever. Um, it's a, a quarterly, as you know from doing BMD. It just necessitates a different kind of content, a kind of evergreen content that isn't about news and reviews. That's right. People don't know how lucky they are to be speaking or hearing two different magazine editors talk it out. Titans of publishing. Yeah. I'm, I'm sorry. I'm <laughs> not, not everything changes, you guys. I'm trying to stifle belches because I just had two Topo Chicos. <laughs> so, oh, nice. You know how it is, that Topo life. Um, oh man! So Whole Foods started carrying Topo Chico, so we started stocking up on it at the house. And before I know it, it was all I was drinking, and it was giving me headaches. That's interesting. It gives you headaches because uh, I've been drinking it maybe six a day. Uh, oh Jesus! And some days I wake up with a headache that reminds me of kind of like a hangover headache. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because Topo is delicious, but it's got a little bit of sodium in it, and it's not quite hydrating you. So you need to mix that up with some some water or some coconut water or something. Just sort of switch off. This is uh, this is a huge blow. I, I didn't want to hear that. <laughs> hey, you can keep drinking the topo, but you got to also drink water. That's all I'm saying. Yeah, okay, okay. I'll, I'll make an effort. Um, so I wanted to ask you because I think that putting together an editorial slate is a really fun thing to do. I find it really rewarding myself. But you mentioned art, and that's something that I actually don't have any experience with. And I wanted to ask you what your what that's what that's like to put all that together and see it come to life. Is it uh, since it's visual? Is it kind of more 
gratifying uh, when you you know look at it get completed? Then... I will. I will let you know. Well, you're not happens. You're not quite there. Okay, I got you. I got you. Yeah, no, no, getting there. It's interesting because you know if <clears throat> if you look at the uh, the landscape of horror magazines, there's still quite a few magazines in print, and they're on the shelves at Barnes Noble, and they're, and those people are doing a, an awesome job of putting out a magazine on a regular schedule, but a lot of them. Who um, who have some Fango DNA in their veins, you know, different editors and writers who worked at Fango at one point who went to these other magazines. Um, they've kind of adopted almost a, a famous monsters model where the covers are these beautiful paintings and these sort of really just cool illustrations. Mm-hmm. Um, and so to do that again would just be another one doing that. And I don't want to like sort of step on their territory. Mm-hmm. Plus I kind of dug the way the old vintage Fangoria's had just like real spoilery gory photos on the cover. And mm-hmm. it was just, you know, it was, it was a pre spoiler uh, kind of culture and then didn't, didn't give a shit if, if, you know, you saw a main character dying on the cover of the magazine. <laughs> so I want to kind of get back to that a little bit, but that said inside the magazine, there's opportunity for original artwork. And so that's the stuff I'm exploring. There's going to be a, a couple of comic strips maybe and uh there's certain articles that need an illustration because they're talking about something that didn't happen let's say mm-hmm. without you too much so i need an illustration to kind of uh, you know support that article so those are the spaces where i'm looking for opportunities to uh tap into some of the great artists that are out there and i've been talking to different artists at horror cons and and online and uh I'm excited about that. Once I start getting that artwork, I think I'll be the level of excited that you're talking about, where you're seeing it come come together and happen. But yeah, I think that would be really fun. And just as a just as a fan, the cover of Fangoria has got sort of a template, but the inside for the resurrected version is going to be like anybody's guess. And I'm pretty curious and excited about what that's going to be. Yeah, we keep talking about. Um, so Fango next year is his 40th anniversary. So, you know, to me, I want to lean into the idea that that this thing has somehow become an institution. It's 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 uh, venerated and respected, and uh, people who used to write for the magazine are out now making horror films. Ryan Turek, Sam Zimmerman, um, Axel Carolyn, and uh, Roberto Aguirre Sacasa, who are making the Sabrina series. They, these people all used to write for Fangoria. Now they're out making the content. So Fango's become this weird sort of institution, and I want to treat it like that. So, so what we're doing is upgrading the print quality. So it's going to be this sort of like uh, perfect bound, you know, almost like a like an art book instead of a stapled together magazine. It's going to be printed on high quality stock. It's going to be um, we're going to have writers in here who. Um, you might not expect to have seen in Fangoria. Matt Zoller Seitz is one of them, and Simon Abrams is another. Um, and we're going to just try to kind of like not not abandon the roots because you know Fango was kind of disreputable when we were kids, and it was something that you know people like looked at us funny for reading. Well, uh, so it's, you snuck around the grocery stores so your mom didn't see you looking at it, kind of. Right, and and people who subscribed, it came in like a black plastic bag, almost like porn did. Um, I didn't and, know and that. Yeah, and and when people subscribe to this magazine, they are going to get it in a black plastic bag. That nice. was something we were excited about re- recreating. Um, but otherwise, yeah, it's it's like I don't want to I don't want to turn people off by saying it's going to be like the Vanity Fair of horror magazines, but you know, it's going to kind of be a little bit elevated because horror in itself is is more legit than ever, and it's we live in this weird time where um, Get Out's winning an Oscar and. And this old trash that we used to have to find in the back of the video store is now being like restored lovingly in high def. Like f- horror is being respected 
at a, a time, you know, on a, on a level that it's never been. And there's never, Fango has never existed in, in a time when horror was as, as respected as it is now. So that's a weird uh, collision of, of uh, circumstance that I'm excited to sort of <laughs> deal with. Yeah, I mean, I think this morning we found out that Brain scans, get the Blu-ray. <laughs> right. See what I'm saying? Brain yeah. scan. Whores and old buildings. Everything. What, if, <laughs> if they stay around long enough, they get respect. Whores, sure. old buildings, and Fangoria. Let's say that. Yeah. It's an interesting time for horror. Um, in addition to all that, you you have this place that more and more horror is getting to where people have to admit that it's actually quality cinema and then instantly don't want to call it horror anymore. Yeah. <laughs> Which is... A hard thing to see. I hate that, but you know, like that's everything. um, <laughs> that's actually well. So Mike Gingold, who writes for BMD sometimes, but was a, a a the driving influence of Fangoria back in the day. He's he's coming back, and I think his first article is going to be about that, about how he's been listening to directors say that their films aren't horror for for thirty years. Uh-huh. His first his first article in Fango starts off with the director saying, "This is not a horror film," <laughs> <laughs> like in nineteen eighty eight. So. You know, that sounds like Cronenberg. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I mean, Cronenberg, he, you know, he he kept insisting stuff wasn't horror films, and eventually it wasn't. So that's true. You know, he he willed it into being. Well, I love your slate of writers. I'm familiar with pretty much all of them. Gingold's a great example. He writes for us a lot, and he's such a sweet guy. And it's uh, it's quite a crew you've assembled, and I'm very excited to see it. Yeah, me too. But we miss you, Phil. I mean, I know I miss you guys. I miss I miss uh, being able to write about Bond every week. Uh, you know, I sort of just take to Twitter at night and get that out of my system mm-hmm. sometimes, which is fun. Um, and I don't I don't miss watching a movie and feeling like I had to write about it afterwards. To to be able to just watch a movie and then have just have my own thoughts about the movie that didn't have to, you know, where yeah. I I didn't feel like we had to be part of a a chorus of people weighing in on stuff. I guess I don't miss that so much, but well, I'm still in the shit, and I don't mess with that stuff at all. <laughs> <laughs> you've got your hands full. You've got you've got your own magazine. You're one of the few people who can understand what I'm going through right now. That's right. You're also publishing a magazine. We should be like best pals or something. I know. I think maybe we are. <laughs> I like doing a magazine. Uh, when it fell on my lap at first, I really hated it because uh, I guess. You know, to viewers, I have a full-time job on the website. So I'm like, I got to do a magazine on top of that. But I've been able, with Scott Wampler's help, to uh, take the time I need to take to do what needs to be done on both fronts. And when I get to shut off the website and just focus on the magazine, I think I'm kind of the happiest I've been working for quite some time. It's it's really rewarding. I like it a lot. Cool. It's and do you get do you get an opportunity for feedback a lot? I think because Fangoria has got a very um, vocal community that that uh, you know we are keeping in mind as we as we publish and move forward and and, and make sure that we keep them abreast of what's happening. And um, I don't remember that so much from BMD. I remember people being excited about it when it would show up and whatnot. But nah, just internal feedback, not uh, from the people that buy the magazine. Though, hey, you guys, I'm happy to hear what you're thinking of it always, but. Uh, it's just we sort of put it all together and once it's gone um, it's out there and we don't hear too much back but they're doing well and so yeah. people continue to buy them and that makes us very happy yeah and BMD's <laughs> BMD's print model was something we looked at as as 
you know, the, maybe the audience that we were kind of courting, not you know, not the content, but in terms of the the people that want a collectible quality print edition that you can't get anywhere else. That was sort of, you know, something that I think BMD really did really well in terms of creating those great covers and, and putting together the insides, which had all that great writing in it and uh, sometimes my writing. And, uh, uh, you, you know, so that was something we thought about and we looked at very closely when we formulated the plans for this for this version of Fangoria. Yeah, you mentioned the binding. Are you going with the, it's gonna be a, a flat side? Yeah, it's called Perfect Bind, so it'll have a spine, it'll have some writing on there, and it'll mm-hmm. sit on a shelf and look nice. We uh, let me, I'll get the guts out of the way. It's 100 pages. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's got limited ads, um, and it's 60 bucks for a subscription. That comes out to about 15 cents a page, and that is uh, at least as good as, if not better, than the magazines that are on the newsstands right now. Seems like a lot. It's not. I don't think it's a lot. It's just a, you know, you're just getting a lot for your money. Um, and we, I do, I do have to reiterate because people keep seem to, seeming to miss this message. The previous owner of Fangoria kind of took a lot of subscriptions and then, you know, payments for subscriptions and then never delivered. We are not that owner anymore. But if anyone got screwed over by paying for a subscription and didn't get one, they are invited to reach out to us through the, through the website through Fangoria.com, and we'll give them a free year. Whoa! See you guys. Sometimes life is fair. Yeah. That is really kind of you because I wouldn't have done that. <laughs> uh, you know, like I think it was important to recognize that that because of what went down with the previous publisher and the previous the previous owner, that the the reputation, the magazine's reputation, was a little uh, tainted, and we had to kind of do what we could to sort of fix that. Well, I don't know anything about tainted reputations. So. No, you're golden. I'm gonna move on from that. <laughs> hey. Uh, I'll tell you what I don't like about this podcast we're recording is it's taken time out of my day so that I can't listen to your new uh, podcast. Your Well, it's not your podcast, but your uh, guest run on uh, the James Bonding. You got Live and Let Die it downloaded onto my phone today. I'm so excited to get off work and listen to that. You were on last week as well. Uh, yeah. Just kind of talking Bond twenty five. I just love this podcast so much, you guys. It, I'm so glad that you found it. It's they've been doing it for a while, and I think they've they um they were always very funny and very good. And I I, I kind of on this new one, I let them know they 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 often say that they're lovers, not experts. But it's it's happening. If you've listened to it since the beginning, they're becoming experts. They yeah, it. they're definitely getting more confident in their knowledge. I mean, how could they not be? Because they're not just watching these movies multiple times. They're watching the movies and going on record uh, with their opinion. I mean, that's just going to change your mindset. It's going to change how you absorb it. They're looking for, like, really weird things to point out that they didn't get to point out the last time they covered the movie. And, uh, yeah, their knowledge is, like, on the rise. And then now now the podcast, they're doing bi-weekly episodes that aren't about a specific film. Mm-hmm. Other fat that's a bond, and it's so. I kind of like those more. They're fun. They're a little more freewheeling. Yeah. Uh, so, and, and I, I was so uh, excited that they asked me to do a second one, uh, that was just that, and, and that was a lot of fun for me. Yeah. And do you do like on the on the lovers not experts tip? Like, would you if you're, you know, they they don't want to they they were downplaying their passion for it. But do you know where Matt Gourley is right now? One of them is traveling around, but no, I don't know. Yeah, he's he is at the uh, he is at Blofeld's compound in the Swiss Alps. He's at Piz Gloria. 
they have turned it into a like a 007 attraction and you can go to switzerland and you can go to like schilthorn or whatever the fuck it is and uh and you can go to the the, the that big thing on the top of the mountain and well, i'm so jealous you took yourself a james bond picture last week didn't you I did. I, I leaned against the post where the guy got stabbed at the beginning of Live and Let Die. Yeah. <laughs> and I did not get stabbed. I was very excited about that. Tell you what, that Bond stuff is quite a lifestyle. Don't you think that if you're in it hard enough, it becomes sort of a part of your lifestyle? I mean, people dress like him, travel plans. To go. We talked about that on the last one. But here's here's the thing. It's like it's a it's a cliff's notes to going to the best spots in the world you don't have to go and do all the same shit obviously but if you're like oh that that place where bond convalesces at the end of <laughs> casino royale looks really pretty it's it is one of the most beautiful spots in the world and 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 my wife and i did spend a couple days there a while back it was just part of an italy trip but we were like how about how about we go to lake como and so we did and it was great yeah uh, um and and yeah there's as far as the buying stuff goes that that it's you know, it's easy to get cynical about all that stuff, but I think I said on the podcast last week, you know, sometimes it's just kind of cool to look down at your feet and you've got, you know, the best shoes in the world on. It's, a, it's an okay feeling. Yeah, I mean, you, you guys made this pretty strong point that when you buy Bond fashion, it's not exactly cosplay. It's sort of just a sort of a shorthand for keeping up on the brand names and what is, because it's not all unobtainably priced. No, and and that's something that I think we talked about how it's sort of like in, in uh, some movies are and some movies aren't, and uh, uh, you know the the last couple of movies did a real run on sort of like putting him in things that like a normal person could afford. Yeah. So you know if you got a cool peacoat that also happens to be the one that Bond wore, that's kind of cool. But it you know yeah dressing up and shit is probably not great you know that in the whole outfit, but. <laughs> We can't all have double-sided leather pleated doors, but you can oh. maybe get some $200 sunglasses. Exactly. You did listen to that episode. Oh, hell yeah. I listen to all of them, but like if you're on or when they mention you, I get so excited. Um, oh. I don't know how exciting this is for our <laughs> audience, but you know, I haven't caught up with Phil in a while. And this is like, I've been listening to this James Bonding podcast for a number of months now, and it's real exciting for me. I it's love, a very good podcast. They have a lot of great guests. I like when a podcast has like a big library to get back into, and you get into a podcast slowly, and it comes a point where you don't really give a shit what the subject of each episode is. It's more about the dynamics of the people talking, who their guests are, and things like that. And right, that's when you get that real strong addiction. <laughs> yeah, uh, I, and and those guys, they have so many. Po- you know, I'm I'm gonna start listening to the his Pistol Shrimps podcast. That you one that is fun. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's like give me it's they're doing commentary for a basketball game where the team is comedians, right? Is that accurate? Well, it, it, it's like a women's rec team. I think that, you know, it's, it's not like pro, pro or anything like that. But the, the gag is that the two guys calling the game don't understand basketball at all. They don't know the rules or, you know, they might have picked some up by now, but they don't know them yet. That should be good. That should be yeah. good. All right. Well, back to our podcast. Um, we are here because Phil, you know, you gotta, you gotta sell that Fangoria, but Hey, now that I got you, (laughs) we might as well get back to the old way of talking about a newly released movie. Uh, so we're going to discuss lean on Pete. (laughs) (laughs) I'm I'm happy to listen. (laughs) Well, I actually don't know anything about it. 
So instead, we should probably talk about Avengers Infinity War, which uh, set the world on fire this weekend. I don't know. It's like the biggest movie of all time. Um, of course it was going to be. I wish that they would, you know, I, I wish they would do these things by inflation because it just, just doesn't seem fair to me. But it's not, the, you know, gotta, you got to live in the world that you live in. So, sure, it's the biggest movie ever made. And next year it'll probably get beaten by uh, Infinity War 2. But it is kind of a special movie, right? Because we've been watching these movies for a decade. And for the last five years, we've been building up to some kind of thing with uh, Thanos and the Infinity Stones and the old gauntlet. And after all that waiting, it finally happened. Or half happened. And so now we got to reckon with it. Phil, you, I think you're less of a Marvel guy than me, but you still, if I remember correctly, like them. You're not anti-Marvel. but I'm not anti-Marvel. I'm anti-bad movies. I'm, an, I'm anti-cheating uh, you uh, your audience. Uh, but, you know, like here, here's something that surprised me. I was walking – I was in Target or some shit, and, and they had the new Spider-Man Blu-ray, and it was $10, and I bought it. Oh. Well, because nice. I, really, I really enjoyed that movie. It's a good movie. Uh, I watched yeah, it like, – a number of times since it came out. It's... There's so so many Marvel movies. Some of them are have to be great, right? And not all of them are going to be good. Uh, like I, in my collection is Iron Man three, Ant Man, Spider Man, uh, and Winter Soldier, and the first Captain America. Those are the ones that I own. I have the two Avengers, the two Guardians, and Thor three. See, I might, I might, I might add Thor three to the collection. I really did enjoy that one. It had a voice. It had an attitude that I didn't see replicated in all the other films. I suppose it's my new favorite. It's it's breezy. It's a breezy, fun movie. I didn't, um, I didn't love the second Guardians of the Galaxy, and that broke my heart because I'm a big Kurt Russell guy. Well, I've learned to love it, but it has a lot of problems. Yeah, uh, and <laughs> the biggest problem is Kurt Russell. <laughs> <laughs> Not him, but I don't think that character works. So now when I rewatch it, uh, I take the liberty because I've seen it a lot to, you know, scroll past the scenes that don't work for me, like Kurt Russell explaining the lyrics to Mandy for like 10 minutes. Because <laughs> <laughs> the, um, the highs on that movie are real high for me. So I, it's one of those troublesome loves. I only watched it the one time. I, I might give it another look on Netflix at some time, but... I definitely walked out not liking it when I saw it the first time. Really? Yeah. I thought it was uh, I, I thought it was a real big mistake to make Star-Lord sort of like a MacGuffin instead of a funny character. Yeah. Which is, it is. <laughs> it is a mistake. <laughs> <laughs> Turns out I was right. I was right. But the, the movie has uh, higher emotional highs. I actually think it's funnier. It's a rocky road, but uh, the, I think the downs are worth the ups whereas the first one i think is sort of just really really good all the way through so you know sometimes you want uh you don't need a perfect movie you know like uh it has a little something you really 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 like and you'll give up perfection for it this is how i feel about that one but fair enough uh you may say that one uh guardians 2 okay got it so tell me your your mindset, like your level of anticipation, what you were thinking when you sit down to watch Infinity War, because it's it's kind of a more than just a little movie. 
Yeah, at the same time, you know, and, and maybe this is a result of being pulled out of the BMD orbit for the last couple of months, but I sat down and, and, and there was a sense of uh, obligatory, let me get this over with kind of thing. It's mm, interesting. And I, and I knew it was going to be a real fucking bummer. And it was. It is a bummer. You know, so, so within those parameters, within like, this is a movie I have to watch to be part of the cultural conversation. And this is a movie that's going to be a real downer. Like, how amped should I be? And what do I have to look forward to? Um, and so, you know, I think the interactions were all great. You know, it must have been a lot of fun to sort of, here, let's put Thor with Rocket and let's, you know, let's put Doctor Strange with Spider-Man. And and, and those kinds of, um, you know, uh, musical chairs were, were probably what I will walk away thinking is the best part of the movie. Just the way that the different characters bounced off each other in those little moments. Did you feel that the number of characters meant that no one was uh, given as much due as you thought they should have had? Did you feel... Uh, let, well, it was down. a lot. Yeah, it was a lot. It was spread thin. There was more Doctor Strange than I was expecting. There was maybe more Thor than I was expecting, um, and there was maybe more Scarlet Witch and Vision than I was expecting. O- but- only because those guys are usually, you know, uh, like Thor's a scene stealer. He shows up and in, in, in the in the uh, in the group movies and, and kills it. And in this one, he was almost the lead it, it felt like to me relative to say captain america yeah captain america didn't have a whole lot going on going into it i just assumed he would be sort of the lead and he's quite on the side same with black panther who uh if i thought about the production aspect of it for more than five seconds i guess i would have realized maybe they didn't know <laughs> about the gross of black panther <laughs> when they were filming this a year ago <laughs> and I, I think he would have been in it a little bit more than he was. Um, Wakanda's in it a lot. And Black Panther's crew, it's kind of spread out among, amongst them. But uh, he himself is, is pretty peripheral in the, in the movie, and that surprised me. Yeah. Uh, all of Wakanda was kind of peripheral, and they fucking decimated Wakanda. And it's a, it was a weird thing to do just you know mere months after Black Panther. Well, they decimated like some grass <laughs> right I mean I don't think the city was ever really under attack too much they they have their big fight with the forearm dogs out there on the football field and they blow up a lot of forest and they dump a bunch of pyramids on the forest but did they blow up this I don't remember them blowing up the city too much no they just messed up Sherry's lab and whatnot, and uh that's I don't know. Right. They, they, I just feel like it was like Wakanda was reduced to cannon fodder, which is uh, troublesome. Maybe. Yeah. A bit. When when it was like the like the freshest shot in the arm the series had had in some time. Yeah. Well, they'll probably have a way to amend that next time. But yeah, we should talk about that about like really how much are we supposed to feel at the end of this movie anyway? Because I'm, no... I've been thinking a lot about that. So you know, spoilers. But I I assume. Everybody's pretty much seen it, but uh, so there's two kinds of sad in this movie, or well, two let's say two kinds of death. There's what seems to be more of like a permanent death, and then the end of the movie. <laughs> <laughs> um, um, now, so so, but is given the end of the movie, are any of those deaths permanent? No, 
There's no, there's just no way. And if they're gonna say these two aren't, but these ones are, I don't think there's a narrative justification for that. That doesn't work. So, it's something that's gonna be undone. And um, so I, I watched it a second time, and thinking about that, I'm wondering, does that really matter? Because the experience of seeing it for the first time, and Excuse me, like the sadness that you maybe feel despite knowing it's not permanent, st I think still might be valid just because it's really something to see, you know, Spider-Man be sad that he's about to die. It's still something oh. to, see, to see Groot disappear. I'm cool with Bucky dying. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Bucky's got uh, some karmic debt to pay. Um, Spider-Man dying was uh, horrifying. It's rough. Because cause he was a child. He's a child and he's like terrified and I hated it. Yeah, and I think that uh, almost, I mean, pretty much as much as Black Panther, you know cynically that that death can't last. He has already, they're, you know, they're already working on number two for him. So knowing that, I still, I don't think it lessens the power of that scene. It just kind of drives the power of how I'm feeling about it a week later, you know, where I'm excited to hear about what's going to happen next with these movies and stuff like that. Getting back in the game of it. But that's a powerful moment, even if you know it's not permanent. Yeah, and you know, and and I'm okay with it not being permanent. I, I do not go to comic book movies to have, you know, the uh, the existential nightmare of reality shoved in my face. So I, I, I'm okay with the, the air quote stakes being what they are, because that's how comic books are. Nobody ever stays dead. Yeah. There used to be a saying in the comics that said only Bucky stayed dead, and that was true until the Civil War comic happened. Um, so I thought it was Bucky and Uncle Ben. I think Uncle he was ben, in there too. Maybe, maybe they probably brought his ass back somewhere too, though. He probably riding a robot around New York right now, like walking around with like robot spider legs. Yeah. Um, so you know that's all fine, but at the same time, it's. It's not a 23-page comic book. It's a two-hour, 30-something minute movie. And so there's a sense of, like, uh, futility to watching them go through it all, the, the drama of it. Because it's, you're, you you know, this, the stakes are temporary. And the stakes are temporary in a comic book, but you're through it a little more quickly. <laughs> this one was a little bit long and and i and for whatever reason none of the emotional stuff was working for me i wasn't i wasn't invested i didn't get upset about vision dying i just got a little um uh mortified at peter dying because of the way they you know played that scene yeah well what about the seemingly more permanent deaths i guess vision's one you mentioned vision but um vision's a robot so i don't i don't view it as permanent and he died twice and they also <laughs> said uh <laughs> Bruce Banner's like it's possible he doesn't even need that stone so yeah they do and, a, um, they, uh, go ahead sorry no it's okay well they just do a, a whole lot of setting up the next movie here and, yeah and Doctor Strange gives that moment where he's like this is the end game where he gave him the stone and now he's the only guy who looked at all the possible futures and saw the one where they win so he's got a plan yeah obviously he's, he's got a plan I do think they're probably gonna be able to bring Vision back I don't yeah. even know Gamora's situation because there's something mystic about the whole soul thing. I don't know what the soul stone does. They never really tell us. And it takes a soul to get the soul. And <clears throat> her her death might not even be permanent. She may be in that stone. And yeah. 
or or the time stone undoes all of it well that's it seems like we have a lot of likely um resolutions for this but people have been responding to that in a couple ways one being you got you got to look at this like a full arc for thanos not for the heroes and i'm like okay i watched it again and tried to do that uh but even though thanos cries or whatever i don't like him (laughs) i didn't come he's in quite a feat uh, technologically, the performance is wonderful, and I appreciate how they tried to write him. But I don't want to. I'm not geared toward watching the movie as if it's his story. Uh, he doesn't have enough screen time for it, for one, and that doesn't work for me. So, and everyone else is like, "Well, you got to look at it like it's the the end of the second act, where everyone's at its." You know, lowest, and then we'll see him triumph in the next movie. And I'm like, I'll talk to you in a year, <laughs> hombre. <laughs> when does this next one come out? I'm sure. Is it next year? I'm sure it's dated. I don't know the exact date, but I think it's probably May of next year. Yeah. I, I'd be surprised if it were June. I think it's going to be May. It's funny how little we know about it. They actually did a really interesting job regarding what they let us know about this movie before it came out. I was almost yeah. going to write an article like, this is what doesn't happen in Infinity War. <laughs> right. Just, just so, because when I first watched it, I was kind of tricked by anticipation for things that it turned out weren't going to happen at all. And it, right. messed, it messed with my understanding of how much time had gone by in the movie. And when it ended, I was shocked. Not in really a happy way, because... It's so fast. I didn't realize two and a half hours had gone by. And I still was left feeling unresolved for all the things I was imagining would happen that didn't. Like <clears throat> seeing the Hulk pop up again, seeing Hawkeye, seeing Ant-Man. Right. Well, you, you know, they talked about how uh, there's been articles about how the uh, marketing was misleading on all that. You know, there's always scenes that didn't make it into a movie, but they, they shot scenes that had no – that were never going to be in the movie. <laughs> Right, you got you know, what, Hulk running at the camera with everybody. Yeah, and uh, I think that Hawkeye had appeared in some promotional artwork, and that ended up, you know, being premature, or or they, you know, again, was it just a, a misdirect? None of that bothers me. I don't really care about any of that stuff, and it and it didn't impact my sort of uh, my expectations about like I'm, I wasn't sitting there going, "Well, when's the Hulk coming? When's the Hulk coming?" Because I kind of it kind of had blown all uh, blown past me to some degree a lot of that marketing. That was fine, but and I, I do want to say, you know, because I feel like we're skewing kind of a little negative here. That the craft of it, the the way that it toggled between the different uh, subplots and missions was really nicely done. I I kind of at the end of it, you're kind of like, well, there wasn't that much Captain America, or or there wasn't that much this person, but but there was a a briskness to the proceedings, as you mentioned, that kind of you know shouldn't be taken for granted in a two and a half hour movie. I actually really, really like the movie a lot. I don't know exactly why, but I tend to want to nitpick it, I, which is, I, I don't know why, because mm-hmm. I had a blast watching it twice. I mean, my first, <sighs> well, I, I mean, I, I know that it's a long time, but it, even on the second viewing, it never felt like it. It's really just kind of uh, keeps rolling along because of the character interactions and how funny they are. And the action's pretty well done, too. There isn't, there isn't a whole lot of it where I feel like I don't know what I'm looking at. And in fact, this is not so true the second time I watched it, but 
the first half of the movie really scared me the first time I saw it. It was, it was a, a, the heroes I liked dealing with the power level that was way beyond them, and they did a very good job making that like visceral, and you feel uh, Vision and Scarlet Witch running from those weirdos. I was like, I don't know how the fuck they're going to get out of this, and I was really scared for them, which in turn heightened the Captain America reveal because you didn't. It wasn't just exciting; you also felt safe. <laughs> yeah, that did work. That was that was kind of cool, um, and I I enjoyed the just following these different clusters of folks on on, on their little missions. I don't know I, that that part was cool to me because I just sort of imagined how much fun it must have been to sort of figure out who was going to get paired off with whom. And I don't know, those, those scenes were all just a pleasure to watch. I loved, I loved the Stark, Strange, Peter team up. Mm -hmm. And I liked their moment that they had with the guardians. That was cool. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I, um, I, I guess I'm just like, yeah, I don't know how I'm supposed to feel at the end of it because you know people walked out of that theater pretty pretty dejected. <laughs> at the end. I have to say, I saw it on an afternoon, and it messed my whole day up. I was like kind of bummed out all night until I went to sleep. I was just thinking about Infinity War and how sad it was. <laughs> That's pretty strange for a comic book movie, I think. Like uh, the end of Guardians Two is sad. It's sad in kind of a tragic way, but it's not. It's not a heavy-ass kryptonite necklace I'm wearing for the rest of the day. But this one affected my mood all day. Uh, I just kept thinking about it. Thinking about Thanos, you know? He's kind of a scary guy. We made all, all of our jokes about him, but he ended up being quite a character. Uh, <clears throat> I don't know that I fall in line with him being kind of like the main character of the movie as far as, like, a, he's not a protagonist, but... <clears throat> following the movie through his eyes and it being like totally successful that way. But mm -hmm. he is quite an imposing figure and Brolin, Josh Brolin was, uh, I don't know. We're just at that new level now where you can have these incredible mocap performances that don't take anything away from pathos and stuff. Yeah, it was. Uh, and that occurred to me later. I was like, Oh, I never even registered that that was, you know, a largely digital performance. It registered as Josh Brolin, which is an interesting maybe way to go with those things. <laughs> you know, if the actor's somehow recognizable. Yeah, it's it's interesting, right? Like, it's not quite the same as when Andy Serkis does it, because he's always playing something that's so different from what he is. Yeah. But in this case, it was just like a monstrous body merged somehow with his facial features and and an actual performance and uh, that was remarkable and it also I, just, I also want to say that he's in so many films and he's in like a lot of pretty good movies it would have been easy for him to just do a villain performance in this as like so many actors do even great actors like Kate uh, Blanchett is not that noteworthy in Thor uh, but it's you know it's still Kate Blanchett. She'd just be an arch. He he like did a real performance uh, that I wouldn't have anticipated. You know. Yeah, it was good. I enjoyed him. All right, I'm glad you enjoyed him, Phil. Um, the Loki death at the beginning, like 
it was it was the wrong foot to go off on because he's died already and I just didn't buy it. <laughs> he's a god, right? So, you know, a broken neck isn't really going to stop him. I'm I mean, not 100% sure Loki's a god. He's like a... I don't know what Loki is because he's not blood-related to all those gods. He's like a... Mischief. Yeah, I don't know. That's the other thing, like... I start to nitpick about, but this is not necessarily about this movie. It's just all of them. I don't understand power levels with these characters, <laughs> <laughs> and we can't, or 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 the whole thing fall apart. Yeah, like, I mean, literally, literally, why didn't Iron Man just laser Thanos's arm off at any moment in time? I don't know. I don't understand. Like, we're trying to like shoot fucking spider webs at it and wrap it around with a cape. Like, why don't you just laser him off at the bicep? And then, then you're done. I, I believe someone mentioned have Ant-Man go up his butt and then turn into a full-sized person. <laughs> might It might work. I don't know. But they do such a good job making these villains scary. And then at the end, basically anybody can punch them all of a sudden. I mean, I really, really like... Man, I'm so bad. I don't remember any of the characters' names from Black Panther, but there's... There's sort of like all the ladies are fighting the one like lady bad guy. I don't know any of their names, sorry. But I didn't really think that Black Widow would last very long in that fight when I was watching these characters at the beginning of the movie and they were so scary. And then now they're sort of like taken down a notch so that they can have fisticuffs with right. fucking, fucking Bucky. <laughs> <laughs> Bucky's got a gun, you know? Yeah. I don't know. Do you think if you shoot Steve Rogers in the head, that's it for him? Yes. Right? Seems like somebody should have sniped him by now. He's not Wolverine. Right. I, I think I, that's how they got him in the comics. When Steve Rogers died, he a sniper shot him right in the chest. That's right in the, right in the emblem. Mm-hmm. Right <laughs> in the star. That's gotta hurt. But how did he come back to life, I wonder? It's probably not remember. Worth, worth thinking about. I guess this is my point. It's like a sickness. As soon as I think about how much I like the movie, I start thinking about stuff that bugs me. And I'm like, why do I... I don't even normally do that. Something about this movie that makes me act like an asshole. Mm. Uh, I did love when Red Skull showed up. I thought that was a neat sort of use of him. That was a surprise. It was a surprise. And it was like... And thematically, it was cool because it was like, oh, geez, like this is what the stone turned him into where he's just like this custodian now. Like this ultimate evil of Earth is now just this... You know, the uh, fucking troll under a bridge. I think that Soul cool. Stone's got some secret waiting for Thanos. Like, it's called the Soul Stone. And it seems to have some might call it wisdom. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and uh, you got to kill somebody you love for it. I don't know. I think it's sort of like the like a ticking time bomb for him. So mm-hmm. the the next movie we're gonna have about like nine people, mostly old Avengers. And they said it's going to be longer than this one. Whoa. I can't even fathom what that's going to be. And I think they're pushing hard as, as long as they can before they have to start the promo uh, life of, of it, starting with giving it a fucking name. What po- na- possible name is so precious that they can't give it to us even like the day, at, the, the, the first weekday after you know, the movie opens? I can't imagine what that would be. I think I'd hold on to a title. I don't know. 
It's not going to be called Black Panther Comes Back, you know. <laughs> Black Panther Comes Back. Um, yeah, I think they're just, I think, you know, just not telling somebody, withholding information equals hype at this point. So why wouldn't they? Why would they tell us, you know? I guess that's a good point. They, we might not even know until after Ant-Man comes out. I mean, uh, that is what they did. Starting immediately, they started promoting Ant-Man. We got a poster yesterday and a new trailer today. And so... I didn't see these yet. <clears throat> new, uh, new Ant-Man trailer is really fun. It's almost all like funny size jokes. I'm excited. And a big old ant playing a, an electronic drum kit. So worth your time. Hmm. It feels good to go from a movie like this to being like, oh, right, Ant-Man. I got Ant-Man around the corner. That's just light fun. They did it last time with the, after Age of Ultron, and they were right. Yeah, smart. Give, give me that Paul Rudd action. You know, you know Pey- Peyton Reed, the director of the Ant-Man films, was a guy like who maybe, I want to say, 20 years ago was developing a Fantastic Four that he described as like the hard day's night of superhero movies. Oh. And he wanted... He wanted to set it in the 60s and stuff, and that'd be a cool direction to go with the Marvel Universe. That would be cool. A little back in time. Well, you know, the Captain Marvel's a 90s period piece. That far enough oh. back for you. Is it really? Yeah, yeah, and it's going to have Agent Coulson and the bad guy from Guardians of the Galaxy, and it's going to have Nick Fury with his eye patch gone. Um, Gosh, I didn't know any of this stuff. Yeah, and it's all about the Scree War, which, well... That's a mystery in and of itself because no one references it in modern Marvel timeline. So, mm-hmm. who knows? Classified. Yeah, we'll find that. I don't know. I mean, it's going to be a year of discovery for all these things that now is a lot more intense for people because this movie gave them the feels. <laughs> all the feels. Do you think that they um, abandoned a perfectly good excuse to stop having Stanley cameos by not cutting to him turning to dust? <laughs> You you are editor of Fangoria magazine because that was fucking ghoulish, Phil. <laughs> Listen, so so the post credit scene, it's uh, Nick Fury and, and his and his uh, right hand woman, and they see this car crash. That could have just as easily been the Stan Lee bus. That's right, it could have. I just, and, just I don't think they want to comment on screen on Stan Lee's declining health. <laughs> That's fair. Although, didn't they film all of his cameos in one go like two years ago? <laughs> I think James Gunn knocked out a bunch of them, yeah. Ooh. So, wow. Um, I do want to say that this movie felt gigantic in a way that made me really happy because it's been a while. Uh, the last monumental movie was Star Wars, which kind of did its thing by condensing and going inward. And mm-hmm. This was a very successful, gigantic, epic movie. There's no doubt about that. I, I, I thought it was quite an experience to sit in front of it not knowing what to expect at all and getting pretty much everything that it was boasting itself to be. That's yeah, cool. and after after Civil War had a sort of a, I don't want to say an anemic fight in an airport parking lot, but like, you know, not, it wasn't, it wasn't an all, the all skate that I sort of imagined it would be, you know, based on the comic back in the day. Yeah. But this felt enormous. It really, really did. Civil War is actually a really good point of comparison because it kind of felt the same way when you sat down to it for the first time. And over time, I think that movie has revealed itself to be kind of poor 
Mm. I don't like it very much. Um, it is building up to a big fight in the middle of the movie where no one wants to hit each other. Right. <laughs> <laughs> kind of appreciate that on a, a certain level, but man, I don't rewatch that one very much. Uh, but this one really delivered, if nothing else, on just the epic scope. I mean, they went to so many different planets. And mm-hmm. uh, all the action was interesting. I didn't like the Doctor Strange movie very much, and I didn't. I don't like that character very much. This is the movie that made me... I thought he finally looked super cool and made me finally understand, at least in terms of my entertainment, that he's not supposed to be a character you like, kind of. Yeah, maybe. He's prickly. And that's a very uh, Ditko thing. <laughs> it's almost like the, the personality of Steve Ditko bleeds into some of his characters a bit in that yeah. regard. Like the mope version is Peter Parker and the asshole version is Stephen <laughs> Strange. <laughs> Well, he is an asshole. I mean, he seems to be sort of like we're going to see him a lot in the next one, I'm sure, because he appears to be the key to what's going to happen. But uh, right, he's not like he's not nice. He's not likable. But now that I know that, I like him more. <laughs> yeah. And all his cool psychedelic fighting, I I actually liked it more in a setting where he wasn't in control of what everything else looked like, where everything wasn't flipping out. Uh, he. he it was contained within him and all his weird stuff. Mm-hmm. And he's was... reacting to external things. Like when he and Thanos throw down on that planet and there's like weird like geometry things happening. And That was super cool. And it, yeah. fe- it felt tough even though he's like turning a energy blast into a bunch of butterflies. I was, I was like, damn, I can't believe he stood up to that energy blast. He's pretty strong. I like right. you, Dr. Strange. <laughs> yeah. Uh, he he doesn't he's not doing all the heavy lifting of uh, character development so he can just be a be this character and you you know you can bounce other other characters off of him and, and get a little more of a you know a, it's a little more playful in its way yeah i mean just because you have these marquee characters doesn't mean they all deserve their own movie it's good right. hulk doesn't have his own movie it took him 3 times to finally figure out thor and they did it by making it a farce like mm-hmm. They don't all get... I don't know about another Doctor Strange movie. I didn't like the first one. I kind of like it more in this context as thrown down in, in sort of a member of a group. He's he's a, he's an exotic uh, side dish. Yeah. So uh, the the question that we can't possibly answer is like, what happens next after this? Not I don't even mean Avengers 4. I mean after that. They're going to... Do you think... Let me let me put this in a way that is answerable, okay? Do you think that they'll lay the groundwork for the next big thing? Do you think they'll have the patience to do that five years ahead of time like they did with this? I uh, do. I think that whatever is after that is already in the works and they've already they're already planning it out. I I think that, you know, that's when I was saying that the craft of how this thing worked and how the the stuff the scenes interlocked, that's a demonstration of them being thoughtful and planning ahead you know when you look at i don't want to turn this into a dc versus marvel thing but when you look at you know like the way batman versus superman which is sort of like and then this happens and then this happens and then this happens like this is much more well thought out they're not scrambling and i think that that's their that's their strength but it also can be their weakness because that that can get stale i think that that is, everything is so perfectly planned out yeah, that yeah. It just feels a little hollow sometimes. It was interesting this time because you have you have a villain who's not 
completely recognizable, but enough people will blab about it to tell their girlfriends or boyfriends why Thanos is important. And that's what we first saw back in like 2013. But then they had the added benefit of Thanos needing five MacGuffins, six MacGuffins, that can be an individual movie's MacGuffin. That would be a hard thing to replicate. And I'd give them a C-plus on it overall anyway. It wasn't... A lot of it they didn't do super well. But it means that they can thread the oncoming threat in an interesting way through individual movies. And I don't know if they're going to be able to like come up with it, like replicate that at all. I'm curious about what it's going to be and how it's done. Because they're clearly going to have to do some other like event that they fold through multiple films over multiple years. But I don't know what it would be. Mm, I don't know. And then and then there's the renewable end of it. There's still, you know, if they fold in Fantastic Four at some point and they've got Captain Marvel lined up and then there's X-Men, you know, X-Men if they get those guys back. And they're going, they're going to need to, I guess, at some point. I mean, there can be legacy stuff like, um, you know, Tony Stark can hand the armor over to someone else and they can have a different Iron Man or Iron Woman for five years. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, Peter can can hand off to uh, Miles Morales at some point if he, if that's the way they want to go. But at some point, they're going to have to recast some people. <laughs> and I'm, cu- I'm curious how that will go. <clears throat> I don't think that... Well, I don't think they're going to have a problem with that. I think they're going to quit certain characters while they're ahead and probably continue that. I mean, it's also hard for me to fathom how long this is going to go for conceivably go on our whole lives <laughs> yeah we'll be dead um but boy this is this is grim too they're really fortunate they haven't had any real world complications uh mess with their plans uh i am you know like fast and furious <laughs> or dark knight yeah uh because that could really that could really be a problem for them and that thank goodness hasn't happened yet but the longer they go the more they gotta worry about that sort of thing not that you can do anything about it (laughs) Jesus Christ Uh, I'm gonna turn around this alley looks dangerous (laughs) Um, okay so upcoming we have Ant-Man and the Wasp you excited about a little Ant-Man action absolutely me too Uh, and then we're gonna do Captain we got Captain Marvel that one is a blind spot for me, um, so kind of you know, I'll go see it. I haven't. I guess I haven't skipped any of these Marvel movies yet. I'll never skip one. I don't think. And I've still never seen Justice League, but oh, have fun with that. You know, I'm. I mean, what I don't know. What's DC doing next? Aquaman. Aquaman. I will go see Aquaman. Yeah, that that one. I have high hopes for it. Like that James Wan. And. James Momoa. <laughs> Jason I, Momoa. I know, I know. I, I'm really curious what that movie's going to look like, be like. Uh, if they're going to just totally avoid all DC stuff. You know, like the universe stuff. Just make it its own thing? They really might. I don't know if they know what they're up to right now. Which would be a bad time to start screwing with stuff, but I don't know. That doesn't mean they'll follow... Uh, the logic of what I just said <laughs> who knows 
But we're just uh, like in the palm of Marvel's hand, and it feels like we're going to be here forever. Captain Marvel, I don't even know anything about that character. She seems just to have almost generic abilities. She can fly and shoot things and stuff. She's like a Superman um, type character. But I don't care because I'm excited about another Marvel movie, and I'm excited about the novelty of it being set in the 90s. That's all I need to know. I'm in. You got me. Nice. But more than anything, I'm just dying to know what happens in this next movie. It sucks we got to wait a year. I was pissed at first that it was half a movie, but now I'm coming around to being okay with it. Because one day, I'll be able to watch them both back to back. And I actually, uh, I'm pre-assuming that that's going to be a pretty satisfying thing to do. Hmm. (laughs) I don't know, man. I mean... You know, everybody gets mad when somebody says superhero fatigue and stuff, but I, 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 I'm, I feel it a little bit. I don't feel it. I, I, I think it becomes like uh, the 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 house style is starting to wear thin on me, and I'm I'm going to. Yeah, I've said it before. I, I, DC kind of fucked up, but you know, they they at least you know went after that Chris Nolan model of like let's get a director who's got a, a definite point of view. And to me, I'd rather roll the dice on that over and over again than than have this producer-driven universe that doesn't end ever. It's producer-driven, but it's they have such good filmmakers that seem to always be able to do the 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 cool character-based things that studios usually f- forbid. And I kind of think that that's why Marvel succeeds so much. Even though there is an there is a it's an extent to which these movies do kind of all look and act the same, despite the surface differences, I do get tired of that. I mean, like I read that basically, if somebody's in a costume that's not made out of fabric, then the act actor never got in that costume in the whole movie, and I think that plays into these movies looking a little cartoonish sometimes. They never. They still haven't figured out how to put Tony, put Robert Downey Jr.'s head on top of uh, somebody else or a CG body and it not look weird. Yeah, Hulk looked a little weird in that. Uh, Banner looked a little weird in that machine. Yeah, yeah. In the Hulkbuster armor. <laughs> when he pops out to tell him you're all screwed, his head looks like a like another toy's head <laughs> on top of somebody somebody else's toy. Yeah. <laughs> of all the things that they have accomplished, I'm surprised that that's still like noticeable. <clears throat> anyway, everybody's got a deadline. Listen, I think we've beaten this horse enough. That's it. Uh, this is a nice one to end on. Maybe we'll get back together when the next one comes out, and we could uh, not have great things to say about that one too. <laughs> sure. All right. So, one last time, you guys. Today is the day to get your subscription to Fangoria. And you know, if you got to wait till payday, it, the link is still going to be there. It's okay. This isn't some Mondo thing where, you know, the window's going to close on you. That's right. You don't, you don't have to rush, but hey, get to it, guys. <laughs> get, on, get, get on there. As we got to know how many we're printing. Yeah. Um, as for me, birth, movies, death, you know, you know how it goes. Um, catch us both on social media or, or don't in my case because I'm not really on it anymore. <laughs> You're hiding out. I, I hate it. <laughs> yeah, it's terrible. I, I love all the support, but boy, it's toxic just to, jump in those waters for five minutes and I get back out and I'm like, woof, I need to shower. I got to get out of here. This is awful. Yeah. I think I got 
Hepatitis. <laughs> Twititis. Uh, on that one, we're calling it a day, you guys. Uh, we love you, and we're so thankful for all the people that listened through the years, Phil. The years. Yes. We're signing off. Goodbye, everybody. Bye. The Birthcast, Moviecast, Deathcast, Padcast, Podcast is over for the week. So once again, you're stuck without a new episode to seek. Tried to carry on, we talked, but now you're free. So go outside and see the 